Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry, Toyota. Let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What is up? It is the NFL Fantasy Live podcast, episode number three. I'm having a lot of fun. I'm James Coe, the host of the show. we got a big show in front of us today. We're going to be talking about sophomore slump or surge. Going to play a little game with Marcus and the Wiz Kid from Wisconsin, Alex Gilhart. Plus, we're going to be talking about late-round quarterbacks to target. Michael Fabiano has done the research. He's seen the tape. He's crunched the numbers, and he's written some fabulous words to support such statements. But, uh, wait, wait, speaking of fabulous... Game of Thrones last night. Uh, we're doing this again. We're going to be spoil. We're doing listen, spoiler alert. Listen, listen. Uh, yeah, we're spoiler alert. We're doing no spoilers. spoilers. No, no spoilers. spoilers. Look, it was so good. <laughs> All I'm saying is, <laughs> it was so good that stuff is falling off the falling ceiling. Apart now, look, yeah. look. My thing with Game of Thrones is, I'm I'm starting to get fed up with this show. Not necessarily. Hey, welcome to my world, bud. But now here's the thing, like. If Game of Thrones was a restaurant, we would have complained to the manager and walked out by now. It's like they've given us bread and water, and they keep bringing our appetizers one by one. Like, where's the steak? I need no, but food he, is coming. He takes away food your is coming. Too. He does. He like he's like, hey, I'm enjoying this baked potato, and then he snatches it away from me. Like, I, if it were a restaurant, right. we'd have given it a terrible Yelp review, and we'd never be going. And there's that episode yesterday had so many questions left for season six. I won't spoil anything for people out there, but. You you certainly leave the episode <laughs> asking a lot many, of questions. Tell, All right, tell, tell the listeners how many times you watched it, Fabs. I watched it three times. You watched this it is really? Wow! I watched it three times, man. <laughs> I saw it. Wait, wait, hold on. This came out yesterday. I know. I well, I watched it on the West Coast via the East Coast feed, so I got it early out here Look on DirecTV. Okay. Then I watched it again. All right. And then I was working on my top 150 players last night. Right, right. Uh, and it was like one o'clock in the morning. And uh, why not fire it up? Again. I, I watched it again. Fire it up again. I watched it because like a lot of times there's things that you didn't see the first time. All right, pal. We're that you off. pick up on. <laughs> so you're and, sick. And plus, but I'm not going to be sick. able to watch. You're sick. So I mean, I'm sick. Yeah. I'm we, sick you're now. watching this three times. It just came out yesterday. Listen, I, I'll tell you something. I watch Revenge of the Sith six times in the movie theater. Okay. Oh, boy. That's you want to listen. Sick. If yeah. I like something, <laughs> I watch you it. You are sick. Oh, All right. Let's Sith, go. Sith was good. Though. All right. Like, it was not. But let's go. It was let's good. Go, <laughs> let's go around the horn. Marcus Grant in the house. Alex Gelhar, as we mentioned, the Wiz is in the house. And as you heard, Game of Thrones junkie. 
Michael, oh, we all Fabiano. Are. We're all hooked. <laughs> How about Sully behind the – you know what? I haven't given Sully his proper due yet. Sully behind the glass helping us produce this uh, wonderful podcast. And Matt Franciscovich. The franchise. The franchise. Back in the building. You know, the dude's dressed nicer than I am. I actually had to work today. I was on air. Worked that crazy overnight shift. The dude comes in dressed to the nines. I like it. And the his, hair. His, he's hair, got his some hair's better than hair. yours, too. He's got better he hair, better than, hair me. than you. Yeah, that, he's that's not dressed often. better than me. He's skinnier than me. I don't like the guy. He's <laughs> coming back in. I don't on, like on the fire. guy. What can we say? Yeah, he's been off for a few months here. He's, he's taking a summer break. It's going to be like training camp. We're going to start writing best shape of his life articles about <laughs> the franchise. By the way, by the way <laughs> guys. The best shape of his life right now. Check this out. Yesterday, uh, I did a commercial with Marshall Falk for NFL Fantasy hey, Live. Hey, cool. It'll be on NFL Network and I believe on NBC during the preseason games. All right. Man. It was pretty cool, man. It was pretty cool to like actually be in an environment where a director is saying, action and cut and <laughs> – all right, keep going. You know, like it was, it was pretty neat. All right, never well, had that what, what were your inspirations? Did they give you any motivation? Yeah, like a motivation. Yeah, I mean, my motivation. Uh, I had like three lines, man. It was not <laughs> a lot of motivation. I didn't have. And how really... many takes does the three? Lines? Well, they just keep doing it right. a bunch of times because they want to see if it has a different feel. And um, it was, it was fun though, man. All right, gotta get a different read. You know, it was a good time. Like it, a different emphasis there. I yeah. like it. All right, like I said, we're going to do sophomore slump or surge, a new game here on NFL Fantasy Live Podcast, and we're going to do late-round quarterbacks to target. But, as always, we start the show with some, I guess, top headlines, and we're going to start in Minnesota. How about Adrian Peterson? The Vikings running back coach told around the NFL that his workload will decrease. Peterson not going to be playing in the preseason here as well. How much of that preseason workload or lack thereof are you guys worried about? Or is it not at all? Uh, I'm not really worried. I mean, it would be nice to see him get a couple of carries because it's been, you know, it'll be more than a calendar year basically since he's the last carry day football. Uh, but, I mean, it's Adrian Peterson. The man is not he human. He never plays like, he's in the not, preseason. He's not human, so I'm not really, <laughs> like I said, I would I would like it if he could get you know five or ten carries sometime in the preseason, but I'm not I'm not stressed. It over would it. just be nice to see Purple Jesus running with the football right, you know, in the preseason. Couple carries, like you said, be like, the, oh good, he still knows what he's doing. Right, but, and then I mean, let him sit down. That's he fine. does know what he's doing. I agree with I agree with you guys. Normally, I'd, I'd say, oh okay, the dude's a cyborg. You know, it's fine. He's Terminator out there. He just keeps on going. It's all good, right? But here's the thing: we haven't seen him play since the Reagan administration. <laughs> I mean, can we get him some preseason carries? I mean, a little. Like, give him one series a game. Can Listen, we get one series a game? It's not rocket science. Hand the ball, run. No, but but, <laughs> but, but but this is my thing, though. Look, again, he hasn't played since since Nixon was in office. Well, now we're what, you just now we're going back. <laughs> Pretty soon it'll be Eisenhower. Like, know, where are we right? going with and, this? Fillmore <laughs> was in office. Look, look, the, the, the bottom line is I got to think you need a few reps to get back into game shape. I'm just talking about game shape. And so for me, I just think, look, the fact of the matter is, is he going to be an effective player? Yes. Is he still my number one overall selection? Yes. But I will say this. You, you hear the running back coach talk about a, a decreased workload. You hear about no preseason action as well. I think it's going to take him a few games to become that cyborg once again. By the way, you talk about this decreased workload. I know last week we did the hype trainer smoke screen. I feel like this is a total smoke screen. <laughs> Like, really? Come on. Do you, do you, and I know we're going to get to Teddy Bridgewater later yes. in the show, and I watch some tape on him. But 
do we really think they're just going to all of a sudden turn this thing over to Teddy Two Gloves when they've got Adrian Peterson standing back there? No. It's not going to happen. I-, I think there's going to be a little bit of a transition uh, going to a more pass-oriented offense, obviously. But how about Jarek McKinnon? I think it's the first time Would in, you let Jarek McKinnon go? Uh, wh- let him go. <laughs> let him go. <laughs> it's the first time in Adrian Peterson's career he's got an actual, legit, explosive backup uh, sitting behind him. Uh, wow, no, as we saw Toby no Gerhardt. No respect for Matt Asiata, huh? N- none. Jeez. Zero. Or Toby G. <laughs> Zero. Toby Gerhardt, uh, as we saw in Jacksonville. Well, yeah. the Cal guy's not going to give any love to a Stanford. That's true. Good point. Good point. All right, look, we move on. Amari Cooper looks great. Uh, let's talk about where you take uh, this explosive rookie out of Alabama. Yeah, he's been moving up, man. For me, uh, I'm releasing the, the new, uh, the first top 150 hello later on today on nfl.com hello uh i i've got him in the top 20 now at wide receiver uh he is he is right there at the end of the uh number two wide out conversation everything that i've heard has been positive uh Derek carr i believe will have tunnel vision towards this kid because he's the best playmaker they have in that offense uh maybe i mean by a long shot murray so um you know I don't know that there's going to be the depth of wide receivers in the rookie years who have great seasons like we saw in 2014, but if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Cooper. And I have faith in Derek Carr. If they were throwing out some curtain jerker out there, I'd have a little less faith, but I like Carr, and uh, I like the Carr to Cooper combination. I mean, it's a numbers game, man. I mean, I know I know that's a little bit redundant because we're playing fantasy here, but it's a numbers <laughs> game, man. <laughs> I mean, Derek Carr going to be slinging the rock 97 times a game. That might be a bit aggressive. Maybe. Slightly. Yeah. Slight, uh, slight <laughs> exaggeration. But, I mean, no, really, though. I mean, come on. The guy, he's got no fear in terms of throwing that ball around. And i got to imagine Amari Cooper is going to be his number. I mean, there's nobody else there to throw it to. Yeah. Latavius Murray out of the backfield? Okay, fine. Yeah, but, I mean, they're still going to be throwing. There's Michael Rivera. You got Crabtree. Oh, man. But, uh, to <laughs> that, that's a deep drop-off. To put it quick into perspective, yeah. Babs is top 150. All right. Said he has him in the top 20. Okay. Um, in the top 20 wide receivers. Yep, top, top 20, 20 wide receivers. Okay. Right after him, Sammy Watkins, Deshaun Jackson, okay. Vincent Jackson, Brandon Marshall. And if I'm looking at those guys, too. I'll take Amari Cooper I'm all day, Cooper, baby. To take Cooper over those guys. Uh, what round does that mean? A top 20 dude. What What is he overall, Fabs? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, I can take I can a look, look at it because right I have here. it in front of me. He's okay. at 46 overall. So, so he's he is, at 46 he is overall. A fifth rounder. It's about where he should go. Fifth round. Mm. We're talking about standard 10 teams. Grant, I know, you comfortable I like, there? See, I, 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 was, I, was, I, was, I was hoping to wait and see if maybe he falls to like eight. Seven, eight. Seven or eight. I agree. But I, I, I get the feeling that if, I mean, if, if he's ranked that high, he's not going to be there. I would feel great with him in the seventh or eighth round. Here's the thing. Because I'm going zero RB strategy off the top. You're taking him in the second. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, you know, I'm taking running backs. <laughs> there it I'm, is. I'm jumping off that cliff, baby. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Look, I'm going to be the only expert I know that, that's going with the zero and at fully advocating it. But here's the thing. Uh, Amari Cooper in the fifth round, a little too rich for my blood, man. I agree. I think he's going to be a great play. I like him. Um, but, man, wh- what's he going to do? I, I mean, is, he's not going to be more than DeAndre Hopkins last year. He's not putting up more than 1,200, is he? Is uh, it? Why not? Well, I, I mean, uh, eleven to twelve hundred. You could see that. I can't see, see that. that. I can't. Twelve hundred. If he puts up twelve hundred and six touchdowns, man. Okay, that's a that's great. A huge year. For that's him. a huge year, and and well worth the, uh, the fifth round draft pick. But I'm going running. I'm probably going back up running backs somewhere in that fifth round because I'm going quarterback, wide receiver, uh, uh, somewhere off the top. So you, you got to figure out. You know, I don't know. 
I don't know. Fifth round might be a little too rich for my blood. All right. All right. Speaking of uh, wideouts that, that could make an impact here, how about Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay? Man, he's talking He's talking up Devontae Adams, man. Um, I got to think, from a fantasy perspective, if they like Devontae Adams because he's a big target, um, he's got you know solid hands, how much is this going to cut into – I don't. I wouldn't imagine it's going to cut into Jordy Nelson's uh, uh, production because they've just got a man crush, Rodgers and, and Jordy. But how about Randall Cobb? I know they inked him to that new deal, but could a Devonte could Devonte Adams emerge and take a lot of production off the plate of Randall Cobb? I don't think so. I think well, I think where Devontae Adams comes in is that the Packers have been in search of a tight end for however many years now. And, you know, we've seen, you know, what, I mean, after Jermichael Finley got sure. hurt, uh, you know, we saw Andrew Corliss in there a little bit. We saw a little bit of Richard Rodgers. And Not I think terribly they've, productive. They've, they've tried to find that tight end, and I think in lieu of that, I think you just find a third wide receiver spot. And I, I love Devontae Adams. I love them coming out of Fresno State. Yeah. I thought I thought Green Bay was a great spot for him to be in. Great spot. I continue to say it. You know, there are a few better gigs in the National Football League than being an Aaron Rodgers wide receiver. Uh, that, would be, and, that would be correct. And I feel like Devontae Adams, I, I love him as kind of a deep sleeper. I've got, I, I, think, I think I have him actually on my list of sleepers this year because okay. I, think, I think he is ready to step up and be a guy where – the third wide receiver in the Packers offense is like being a number two in a lot of other offenses, and right. I, I like his potential. But does it scare you off of a guy like Randall Cobb? Because, you know, Not Randall really. Cobb's going to have name value. He's in Green Bay. He's got, you know, he's been producing for a couple years now. He's going to go, I don't want to say he's going to go super high, but, but guys are going to draft him. Should we be worried about Randall Cobb's production? I don't think so. Not at all. He even said that it would be hard for him to duplicate his 20, 000, uh, 2014 production this coming season, Randall Cobb. But with, right. But that being said, I still don't see an enormous decline. I still say he is going to be one of the first ten to twelve wide receivers drafted. Like, woo! Uh, they, no, I agree with that. They all could finish in the top thirty for wide receivers. Like you and I were talking about when we were playing mm-hmm. the podcast. Sure. Would anybody be surprised if Jordy Randall and Devonte Adams turned into the Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, and Brandon Stokely of like? Two thousand five or whatever, when That's they all had a thousand nope. yards and ten touchdowns with Wouldn't eight man. Wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Would not be surprised. So it could happen. A thousand yards, man! All three of them. Why could not? Do it? Why not? Look at that offense. Totally. Okay. All right. So no one's scared about Randall Cobb, huh? I'm the nope. only guy here. I'm the only one. Apparently, you're, you're scared about a lot of the Packers' yeah. offense. You're scared uh, about the <laughs> <I'm> what is <laughs> There's that cliff again. He's just Man, looking up at it. Like, like. But I'm not scared. The, ironically, I'm not scared about Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, okay. Of course he's not. Right. Yeah, he's good. Okay, go Bears. Yeah. All right, uh, let's what? play. What? That's right. Hey, uh, let's play a little game of sophomore slump or surge. Marcus and Alex Gelhar. Man, they 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 dug deep. They watched some film. And Alex, kick us off here. Talk about some sophomores, uh, sophomore running backs. All right. So and, get, and tell me if you think they're going to slump or surge. So to get started with the series, Marks and I were looking at the sophomore position. I decided to take the top three running backs drafted in basically fantasy and the regular draft last year. They were the guys taken in the second round. Bishop Sankey, who went to the Titans, Jeremy Hill to the Bengals, and Carlos Hyde to uh, the 49ers. Right. When I was getting started, I started watching Bishop Sankey. And uh, as I was watching his tape, I, uh, a, a song popped into my mind uh, that I wrote down. And as I was watching the rest of the tape, I matched songs with everybody. So before I get into the analysis, <laughs> of course you did. Before I get into the analysis for yeah. each of these guys, I'm going to have Sully play you guys the hook from each of these songs. And then okay. I'll explain why that's what I saw in the film. Explain so Sully, it. if you could get us started with Bishop Sankey's song. All right, that's good. That's good. 
<laughs> wow, a little, so, Don, a little Don Henley. A little yeah. Don Henley from wow. his solo career. All right. But Bishop Sankey just loves to dance behind the line of scrimmage. Right. The guy um, – I mean, do we – Sully, do we need to pot it all the way – let, let, let's play it a little – let's get a little mood music going here a little bit as Alex talking. Yeah, right, there we'll it is. It okay. All right, so he likes to dance He's behind so, the line. The trouble was with Bishop Sankey was yeah. he – Last year, coming into the season, he because Washington was on quarters, he missed all of the off-season workouts except for, like, one practice. So okay. he could have been rusty. However, he just seemed to lack the vision or confidence to read his blocks and get through the line. And even when he had a hole, if it was well-blocked, he'd get through it. He just didn't have the acceleration or punch, and he would dance and stutter step and jump cut behind the line of scrimmage. And that was why, more often than not, he would get stopped a couple yards Bishop behind Sankey. the line of scrimmage or in front of 16 him. 16 games. Terribly unimpressive. 570 yards rushing, 130 receiving. You do the math. There's about 700 yards there. Two touchdowns. So that's his rookie year. I got to ask you, sophomore slump or surge Bishop Sankey? I'm feeling a slump. I uh, I for one I've said on this podcast before and he slump uh, any more than he did last year. I know he's not going to get out of that slump. I guess (laughs) prolonged slumpage. But um, I'm a big fan of David Cobb. I've I've, uh, pumped him up on this podcast. Sure have. Our own Daniel Jeremiah, the great draft scout that we have, is Mm -hmm. also a huge fan of David Cobb, and he told Mark Sessler of around the NFL earlier late last week. Excuse me, not earlier this week. It's Monday. Can't get much earlier. (laughs) That he wouldn't be surprised either if David Cobb overtook that backfield early on. All right. So for me. I'm predicting Sankey is a slump, and honestly, I wouldn't even draft him. All right, Jeremy Hill. Actually, I'm going to jump to Carlos Hyde. Oh, do for it. Sake, for the sake of the music. All right. So, Carlos Hyde, Marcus's boy I in San Francisco. Why I chose this uh, Miley Cyrus hit and polluted the podcast airwaves with that is because. Who's Carlos, got a sledgehammer? Carlos Hyde, <laughs> when he. Alex Gelhar is going to start licking a sledgehammer, folks. No, I'm not. Okay. (laughs) I will not. That will not appear on the internet anyway. (laughs) Carlos Hyde, when he comes at the line of scrimmage, runs through the hole like a wrecking ball. I put a couple vines on Twitter of this because the people in his path were just, like, laid to waste. He was erasing defensive backs. He even was plowing over his own linemen. Yeah. They didn't get out of his way when he was coming through the line of scrimmage. Now, sometimes, of course, him just running into people like that, didn't equate to as many huge runs. However, I loved the tenacity that he hit the hole with, and uh, I think he could be in line for a, a good a good amount of work and a good amount of fantasy production this year. Carlos Hyde behind Frank Gore last year, just 83 carries, was really productive with those 83 carries, man. 333 yards, averaged more than four yards a carry. Had four touchdowns on just 83 carries. Slumper surge, Carlos Hyde. I say Serge. What about you guys? Marcus, you're the, you're the 49ers. You know, I, I, I think, well, I think just by the fact that he's going to be the number one guy in an offense that is still kind of shaky with its passing game, I think he's in line for big things. I do like him this year. Yeah. Um, I, I would say this. Uh, I do think he's the favorite for the early down work and the goal line work, and that's big in fantasy. Sure. Steve Weiss, uh, our boy here at NFL Network and Digital Media, was there uh, recently at their camp and said that, don't be surprised that they're going to be using Reggie Bush and or Kendall Hunter. They've also got Mike Davis in there. Mm-hmm. So if Hyde doesn't get off to a good start, you could see a committee situation there. Right. So Uh-oh. Ohio State Uh-oh. product needs to uh, eat. And Sir, needs Reg- to eat Sir Reginald Alfred Bush the second could be back in the mix. Basis, but <laughs> Hyde is still the guy to to, to go uh, to go with. In There's so much There's no turmoil question. on no that question. team. So much turmoil on that team. And, and again, we don't know about the the. Um, That's the, the worst team in their division. Yeah, right you now, know, probably not, are, at, not least, a at least on paper. Yeah. And, that, and, and the defense is in, in that NFC West, man. Holy cow, they are scary, no doubt about it. 
Carlos Hyde, I, I mean, I, I, you look, you can't slump from 333 yards. I get it. But, you know, he is going to get a, a good amount of carries. I'm just scared. I'm scared of. Uh, I, I feel like I'm saying that a lot. So you, you seem, you know, yeah, I, I seem like a fearful well, dude. Kind of nervous today, <laughs> man. Like, he what's is going the on? Writer of the panic room. <laughs> like, so. This is true. That is true. Uh, Carlos, I, man, Colin Kaepernick. I think he has to develop, and he's got to become an outside threat uh, to to soften up the defenses a little bit, a little bit, because you know you got to figure they're going to stack that box, man. I, I mean, the Niners. Who are they going to toss it to? I don't know. Uh, I, I I would think, especially Torrey in the Smith. NFC. Smith. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Steve also told me that you could see a resurgence from Vernon Davis this year. Yeah, he was. Okay. I would, I would think so. I would. Uh, so you almost have. He almost hard has to. to. Hard so to he be could worse. end up being like a decent bargain because no one's drafting him before the tenth round. Yeah, it's, it's hard to be worse than he was. You've last seen people year. drafting him in the tenth round. <laughs> he's he's terrible last season. He had that game against the Cowboys. In the opener, two touchdowns. Everyone who right. had Vernon Davis, wee! That was the Loving last it. we rest saw of the him. year. He was awful. He was on a milk carton. If you the had Vernon Davis and Cordero Patterson week one, you were loving life. Yeah, and you were feeling weeks, it. And then weeks two through sixteen, <laughs> yeah. you were miserable. Although if you had if you sold high on both of them after that week, you were. <laughs> if you had Cordero genius. Patterson, Vernon Davis, and Percy Harvin, you after week one, you were saying championship. Mm-hmm. And, and by week and five, you, you were out. <laughs> you were done. You were, you were out. All right, uh, let's move on. What, what's this next? Who's the next? Uh, Jer- are we going Jeremy Hill we're now? Going Jeremy Hill. Let's go Jeremy no, Hill. Let's all hit the music here. Oh, yeah. This is my kind of music right here. I figured you'd Fab like that one. Man. Fabs didn't even know what the other two songs were. No, I don't. Yet, yet. So, <laughs> I knew no, the first one. Clue. Yeah, he knew the first one. You knew yeah. the first one. Uh, so one. not only did Jeremy Hill get the best song of those three assigned to him, yeah, he, he did. is the best running back of the three. Okay. Um, as we all know, if you were lucky enough to have Jeremy Hill on your team last oh year, he gosh. his run in the second half of the season where, from NFL media research, he averaged more yards per carry and accumulated more yards than any other running back over the second half of the season. Yep. Helped him finish 10th at his at the running back position overall. Basically over eight games. Over basically eight games. He had a couple big ones. Like, he did some work early, but most of his damage came Man. later on. Yeah. Um, I So what happened was in the morning I watched all the Bishop Sankey tape, and it was it was dry and it was boring. And then uh, I had lunch break and did some stuff. It came in, popped on Jeremy Hill's tape. It took two plays for me to see <laughs> that it was night and day between the two running backs. <laughs> Jeremy Hill has the vision. He's got the strength to move the pile. He's got the speed to get to the edge yeah. and to be a home run threat. Yeah. And the guy just, I mean, honest to God, like every fifth run of his seems like he's ready to take it to the house, but he's just getting shoelace tackled or just misses the cut. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no fear for him this year. I think he's going to be a total surge. And I honestly, hype train. Hype train. <laughs> I All aboard. Would Come not, on the hype train. <laughs> I know we've talked about before that um, after those top six running backs or so, it's kind of a, a danger zone with who do you trust after that. Sure. I now trust Jeremy Hill in the first round. Oh, not even. No question Uh-oh. about it. Um, 1,100 yards rushing last year, 215 receiving, nine touchdowns. I think all of them were in the last eight games. He also had 27 catches. Yeah. Exactly. Pretty good. So. Uh, Yeah. Although that number is going to decrease or with, with at least healthy, it won't with healthy increase. Bernard and Geo Tyler Bernard. Eifert back, Marvin Jones back. So I don't expect him to get a ton of work in the passing game. He'll get a few, mm-hmm. but. Man, he's he's going to pound it between the tackles. And he had 220 carries on like a half season last year. Is anybody worried about Jeremy? Is anyone worried that he might slump Jeremy Hill? Anybody? No. Marcus? No? no? Fabs? The way that he runs and the offense that he's a part of, 
I'm not worried that he's going to slump. He's going to play well. I yeah. think the one concern that I do have isn't about him. It's about the committee. Mm-hmm. Because Gio's good. Gio good. is an exciting running back, a pass catcher, and when when you talk about a guy like Arian Foster yeah. compared to a guy like Jeremy Hill, that's why Foster wins all day long right. because he is going to be on the field for all three downs, and we don't know about that with Hill. With that being said, um, I still think Hill is a guy who's a virtual lock to go over 1,100 rushing yards, give you somewhere in the neighborhood of double-digit touchdowns, you know, 10 to 12. So, That'd be um, amazing. Which, why, tail end of the first round? Late first, early second. It, that's where he's going. That's, that's where, where he he's should. going. And I feel, I feel confident, more confident now after diving into the tape, mm-hmm. taking him there than I did previously. And it's like I said, man, I, I'll take Jeremy Hill over Arian Foster all day. Uh, and, and as a matter of fact, I might take Jeremy Hill. Do we got the sound effect? <laughs> <laughs> Arian Foster <laughs> is going to have a great season. James, let me in a good point. I I forgot the Twitter handle now of the guy who asked me this on Twitter, but I said I'd ask it um, of you guys on the podcast. Who do you draft first and why? LaShawn McCoy, Jeremy Hill, or, or CJ Anderson. Anderson. Who do you take first and why? Ooh. I would say probably CJ Anderson because it's a combination of the offense he plays in and the fact wow. that but and the fact that there's no real threats to steal significant snaps away from him. I mean, as much as I love Jeremy Hill and I agree with you guys, Gio is still there. Monte and, Ball does not like you. That's <laughs> uh, all right. I'll live. And, you know, and, and the same, you know, and, and I'm, I'm worried about Shady a little bit there in, right. in Buffalo this year. Um, Fabs, what do you think? LaShawn, you know Jeremy Hill, it's, or CJ? It's a tough call. Uh, I'm pretty sure, listen, I just ranked seven gazillion players last yes. night. I'm pretty sure I have LaShawn McCoy ahead of C- I think I have McCoy, CJ Anderson, and, and then, then Jeremy, Jeremy Hill. Hill. I think it's volume with McCoy. I don't believe that Fred Jackson at 33 is going to take a big chunk of the carries away How from him. Booby, would you, you listen? You just like saying that, all right? Well, okay, and you didn't well. even watch Game of Thrones last night. <laughs> and if you did, you would have seen some plenty of, that. of boobies. But all right. Okay. I think McCoy sees 300 carries minimal. Uh, I think he is going to be in the passing game, 40, 50 catches. I know the issue is the offensive line. You don't yeah. always need a great offensive line to, to put up good fantasy numbers like Lamar Miller did last year. The Dolphins were not a good run-blocking offensive line uh, based on pro football focuses research. And he's not an old running back. No. Uh, and Still honestly, he wouldn't have had a bad year had the Eagles not taken away goal line opportunities from him last year. He's going to see all those goal line opportunities with the Bills. Ryan was a, a top-six team in terms of rush attempts. Uh, four of his five years with the Jets. I, I don't have him ranked as a top of the first round player, LaShawn, but he is bottom of the first round, right along there with Anderson and Hill. Yeah, you have him nine, eleven, and twelve. So I, I they're, they're very close, very close, very right. close. LaShawn McCoy, fourteen hundred yards total last year. Fourteen hundred total yards last year. That that's far from a bust. No. Unfortunately, he didn't score. He had five touchdowns. Yep. Yeah, he yep. didn't score. Not very good. Mm. Not very good. Um, it's oh, man, I'm torn on this one. This one's this one's close. I like them all. I like them all. Uh, the thing about though. the thing about C.J. Anderson that worries. I'm surprised you went C.J. Marcus. Uh, the thing about C.J. Anderson that worries me a little bit. We don't know that he can do this kind of put in that kind of work over a 16 game stretch. We don't know that about Hill either. 
Did you watch the tape? I mean, you watched the tape, though. Yeah, it's the same with C.J. Anderson. C.J. Anderson is more of a shiftier type of running back. You're saying you know that saying? just discombobulated James Coe <laughs> all over the place. I was playing just host there for all discombobulated for <laughs> C.J. Anderson, uh, even going back to his days at Cal, split a lot of carries. Uh, he was and, – and, again, I know he's in one of the best offenses in the league – but there has been a running back carousel there for as long as Peyton Manning's been there. So for me, there's a lot of uncertainty there. So it's hard for me to put C.J. Anderson there. Uh, I like Jeremy Hill, number one. LaShawn McCoy, again, love the yardage in that Chip Kelly offense. Will he see that same yardage in a terribly unimaginative ground-and-pound system? I, I get it. Hey, they they well, run the ball a lot. It's not unimaginative. Greg Rem- Greg Roman did a lot of good things with the 49ers. Before it's when he remembered there. that Frank Gore was it on is, the roster. It is before, not. Yeah, uh, before last year. Uh, <laughs> Rex Ryan's offense is terribly unimpressive. That's why he's sta- – well, we don't need to go down that wormhole. Wait a minute. Wait, wait. Who, who, is, who is the star of the offense? for the Jets when they were making those runs to the AFC Championship game. It was Thomas Jones. People mm-hmm. forget. He was awesome. Thomas yeah. Jones was great. We're talking about a top five fantasy running back. I was going to say, the star of the offense was like Muhammad Wilkerson on the defense well, side. I mean, it was like those guys. I mean, Tom, got Tom, them there. You forget, Thomas Jones was really good he was. in that offense. No. Really good. So uh, I will go I'll go Jeremy Hill, LaShawn McCoy, C.J. Anderson, three. That's right. what I'll do. Uh, That's so what I'll at, do. At Mickey Burrows, thanks for the question. Other people, feel free to send them into the at Fantasy Live. We'll get them on the show. Handle, yeah, we'll get them, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll get them on the podcast. We'll mailbag episode soon. Yeah, right. why the hell not? Especially if they're good questions like that. All right, sophomore slump or surge. Marcus, you're going to be talking about quarterback. Yes, sir. I don't I don't have any pre-production songs or anything like that. How dare like you? It's a tough act to follow now, but I did. I looked at, <laughs> I looked at the... <laughs> I agree with that. I uh, I looked at the three tough quarterbacks from last year, right. and I went in order of the, how they finished scoring. Now, mind you, Derek Carr was the number one scoring quarterback, in part because he was one of the guys who played 16 games right. for his team last year. I well, watched, it was close. Taylor was Bridgewater close. was there. That was very close. And, yeah. and, and so I looked at Derek Carr first, and all I could say is – Watching that Raiders offense gave me the sads. It was – it was. I felt so bad. And I, I liked Derek Carr coming out of Fresno State. Yeah. I liked what he could do, and I thought, you know, that was a good fit for him. But the Raider wide receiving core was miserable. And, and you watch the coach's film, and you see this kid standing back there waiting and waiting and waiting for somebody to get open, and it just would never – look – when James Jones is the most targeted player on your team, that says a lot about your Ugh. wide receiving core because just no one could get open. And you have this kid with an incredible arm uh, with a lot of athletic ability, and he just couldn't find anybody to throw the football I to. I was trying to think about who was – I'm trying to think of three Oakland wide receivers last year, James Jones, Andre Holmes, and – who am I missing? There was Bryce Butler. There was Michael Rivera. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, it, it's not pretty. There was uh, uh, Chinbrell Tompkins was there for a while the last sads. year. It, it was the sads. Uh, and so the first thing I thought when I watched the Raider tape, when I watched the Derek Carr tape, was Amari Cooper can't get on the field soon enough. I right. Mean, he really cannot get on the field soon enough. And I know we talked about him earlier in this show. Makes and you understand what he the do. hype then, too. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, just to watch them last year – and uh, our own Chris Wessling, who writes for Around the NFL, he and I kind of went back and forth on Twitter, and he basically just flat out said the Raiders had the slowest wide receiving core in the league last year. <laughs> and I don't doubt it. Just watching them, I do not doubt it at all. Okay. So I, I feel like there is a lot there's a lot of upside there for Derek Carr. It's just a matter of them getting him some weapons that can get open, that can stretch the field a little bit, and, and allow him to use that cannon of an arm. I mean, yeah. 
This is an Al Davis quarterback. If you can get some vertical speed and you Isn't let him funny? go down the field. Yes. Yeah. It is. It, that's, that made me laugh about the yeah. Raiders having a slow wide receiving core. Al is probably turning over in his right. brain because that would never happen because Al just looked at 40 times. Like whoever's the fastest guy, like <laughs> Philip Dorsett, he would have been a Raider. He had the best 40 time. You're coming with me. Like that's how it would have been. Darius Hayward. It, Darius Hayward Bay was a the warning signs were there for him with college. I mean, he played in that wide open he Maryland offense. Fast. He That's played it. that wide open Maryland offense and never had a thousand yards. The good thing about the Raiders <clears throat> is they're they're getting younger and they're going to start leaning on those young players: Amari Cooper, Murray, Tavius Murray, yeah. Rivera, Carr. So hopefully, because you know the Raiders were that team that would sign Carson Palmer to come in, and, right? You know, uh, a bunch and, of aging veterans. They were like a fantasy. At Maurice Jones-Drew right. Right. and uh, past his prime. You know, Madden, one of so. my favorite all-time Raiders is Vince Evans, who they would pull like off a used car lot every so often and bring him back to play quarterback. He, he played in the USFL. Yes, he did. Was it the Chicago? Was it the Blitz? Uh, I know was he it? Pl- I know he are they, played are the Invaders in, in, or something? I played can't in, uh, in the Canadian League for a while, too. Yeah. So Derek Carr, uh, almost 3,300 3, yards passing last year, 21 touchdowns. Pretty impressive Yes. Uh, for a rookie. So I, I'm, I'm relatively confident saying I I think all of us have him as a surge sophomore next year. Yeah, uh, he actually is on uh, my two Dynasty League quarterbacks are Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr. I Look feel like that. I'm there set at the position. All right, so uh, we've been talking about fantasy, obviously. It's a fantasy podcast. Hello. You think? Uh, yeah, NFL.com kind slash of fantasy. fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> NFL.com slash fantasy. Sign up to play today. You can uh, get all the info you need, too, man. NFL.com slash draft kit. You can do mock drafts off of that page as well. NFL.com slash draft kit. There's tons of info on that page. Go and look at it right now. Marcus Grant, Alex Gelhar, Michael Fabian, I'm James Coe. All right, let's talk about sophomore quarterbacks more. Um, who, who do we got, Teddy Bridgewater? Teddy B, Teddy Two Gloves. I took a look at him at, right after I finished some Derek Carr tape, okay. and I loved everything I saw about okay. Teddy Bridgewater in this thing. Um, you know, I, I think he gets a knock for not necessarily being super mobile, um, but I think one of the things I took away from watching him is that he is mobile. He's just not a guy who's going to run. He's not. No one's going to confuse him with Colin Kaepernick where right. he can just pull the ball down and take off. But in certain situations when he has to get out of the pocket, he can be dangerous. He can make things happen. What I loved more than anything about Bridgewater okay. was his downfield accuracy. Mm. And he doesn't have a huge arm. He doesn't have a Derek Carr type no. arm. But getting the ball downfield, he looked really good. And I, and I would watch. I also took I took pains to watch some of the targets to Cordero Patterson too, and you got the sense that <laughs> the pains more sads. <laughs> yeah, I got more sads. Yes, I did. I mean, but you did you got the, you did get the feeling that Patterson really wasn't on the same page with the rest of the offense last you year. You don't like, say. You know, because I would watch some of these throws that you know on the surface looked like terrible. Like, what do you do when Teddy throws? And then you watch the replay, and you're like, no, I get the feeling that the, the receiver totally ran the wrong route. Didn't right. know where he was supposed to be in that situation. But I I loved. Bridgewater's poise in the pocket. Yep. Uh, I love his ability to get the ball downfield. Um, I like the way he spread it out. And you know what? He's also a beneficiary of working in a really good offense. I mean, you got to see the creativity of what North Turner does, especially in the passing game, the different routes that the receivers run there and how they, they open things up. But uh, Bridgewater's really the guy that, that, that made that thing go in the passing game last year. And I think having – Adrian Peterson back and having that bona fide threat in the running game really is going to make things a lot easier for him this year. Uh, the bottom line is, defensive coordinators, uh, you have to stack the box against Adrian Peterson, meaning there's going to be tons of one-on-one coverage uh, on the outside. The question remains, does he have weapons on the outside uh, to throw to? Yeah, and I think that's going to be the big question. I mean, now they've got Mike Wallace there as a guy who can get downfield. Uh, you know, I, 
I do think Patterson's going to be better this year because I think he realizes for him this is a make or break I mean, kind of season. That was talk about a sophomore slump. Yeah, Holy Patterson. How? Can't yeah, that was that was a sophomore suck. That was a yeah. slump. <laughs> that was awful. Um, you know, so he realizes that this is a make or break season for him. You know, and they still have decent tight ends there That'll in the middle Rudolph. of the field. They got even, Kyle Rudolph back. Even you know Chase Ford wasn't terrible last year. So I, I think there are sufficient weapons. But again. As you mentioned, having Peterson back just changes the whole dynamic of how you scheme for that offense. I love the fact that when Chase Ford scored, I couldn't tell if it was a football player, a car dealership, or um, or also a factory worker. Uh, you know, he actually has a great football, like a movie football name. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. Yeah. I could totally see him. Mm-hmm. He should be like the 19th John Mo- star out John of Notre Moxon, Dame. the Chase Ford. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. I love it, uh, but yes, uh, no, you're right. Uh, uh, Blake, uh, excuse me, Teddy Bridgewater last year, 2,900 yards passing, pretty good. 14 passing touchdowns. But here's the thing: you talk about not quote unquote being mobile. He reminds me a lot, at least in terms of pocket presence, uh, to to Russell Wilson, because he runs when he has to. He yes. had, he did compile 200 yards rushing last Which year, which surprised me when I saw that number right. because you just hear about him not being a, a, a mobile quarterback. Right. So when I saw 200 rushing yards, it, it kind of surprised me. That's what I'm saying. So 15 total touchdowns last yeah, year. He, for did, he didn't Love. run much in college either. I mean, no. his career, he rushed for uh, 170 yards in college. Yeah, amazing. Three years combined. That's amazing. So, um, so the 200 yards really was a surprise. Yeah, you can't expect Russell Wilson type of it's, numbers from him. With that being said, I, I'm saying I said that three times already. You know what it is? Because I watched Curb Your Enthusiasm a couple of days ago, and they had that episode. With that being said, anyways, <laughs> uh, Bridgewater, I think to me is more of a guy that I'm excited about because of his arm and because of the weapons around him, and because he's got Peterson back there. Yeah, yeah. You want to you want to talk about a guy who's not going to have to throw into double coverages, right? I mean, it, it's it's tailor made for him to succeed, and I can argue that Bridgewater could be the best quarterback Peterson's ever had. Look at the list of quarterbacks Whoa. Peterson's had to play with. He played with Brett Favre in you know, that one magical year. The one the one right. year. I'm talking about guys who, you know, like... I've been there for a while. Yeah, I would agree. It's Christian Petty. Ponder. And, and by Matt the way, Castle, when he played with, I mean, uh, with Brett Favre, the game looked so much easier for Adrian Peterson. Yeah. It just looked so... And actually, really, it looked a hell of a lot easier for Brett Favre as well. Yeah. Uh, he, Remember, Favre had the one really good year. Well, it was it was and then after that anomaly for Favre when it he was. came back, interceptions were way down. And right, it was it was completion good. percentage was was high. So, I mean, yeah, it was. No, it was it was interesting when you got two great players on the field, a quarterback and a running back. How much they can make the game so much easier for themselves. Uh, going back to going back to, uh, to to Teddy Bridgewater though. Uh, I, I hate to bring real life uh, football into it, but how uh, dare you? <coughs> how um, dare you? Do you think that Norv Turner is going to be creative enough? Because again, I think they really lack a lot of outside weapons. Can they get I, I a disagree. guy? Go ahead. Well, I mean, they've got Charles Johnson who was coming alive last year. Good point. He said he had a rapport. Mike Wallace can at least stretch the field. And okay. Eat. They've already been trying to build that rapport. Kyle Rudolph is a perfect tight end for a North Turner offense. And then you've still got the wild card of Cordero Patterson. I mean, too many question marks, I think, with Kyle Rudolph. Not for nothing. Peterson's going to catch more balls out of the backfield than you think in this offense. Yeah. Look at the running backs that Norv has had. Emmett. Lamont Jordan. 
Uh, mm -hmm. Ricky Williams. I mean, these guys, uh, Frank Gore, they catch the ball out of the backfield. You know what I would love to know, or what we should, or what I should probably do as a research project? How much does he get the second running back involved? Because you look at the number of athletes they have. Okay, Mike Wallace is a good athlete. I get it. Charles Johnson. And another, Norv another, likes to have another one good guy. athlete as well. Norv likes to have one guy. But, and, and I think you're right. But can he be creative enough to get all of his horses, I all of his best athletes out on the field? And I think they know that they have a good product in Teddy. Because I was actually doing, I know. Fabs is usually the stats historical guy, but I pulled up some of the numbers to get historical. Jump on the bandwagon. It's all right. Well, to get historical comps based on Derek Carr's rookie year and Teddy Bridgewater's rookie okay. year. Okay. Using uh, yards per attempt um, and uh, cutting it down with a limit of number of attempts in the season. So um, Derek Carr, for as much as we loved him last year, yeah. averaged a paltry 5.4 yards per attempt on passes. That's not good. That's mm -hmm. no bueno. Okay. Now, the quarterback comps for him in the rookie year that averaged that with as many attempts as he had. Chris Winkie. Uh-oh. Kyle Orton. Uh-oh. Joey Harrington. Uh-oh. Bruce Gradkowski, Blaine Gabbert, and Blaine? Steve DeBerg. The mighty Blaine Gabbert. Uh, flipping it to Teddy Bridgewater, okay. who averaged 7.2, six yards per attempt, so almost 7.3. Okay. Um, and completed 64 and a half of his passes. Yeah. Also good numbers. His, Very good his comps, Russell Wilson, Dennis Shaw, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, and this is where it gets a little crazy. Warren Moon, Jim Kelly, uh -oh. and RG3. Wait, RG3, what? One of these kids <laughs> just doesn't belong here. Yeah. You know, I, I, and I saw yeah. those numbers. I actually had seen those numbers before, and I okay. actually took – that was one of the reasons I wanted to watch Derek Carr first because I think part of the reason his numbers were so low because his receivers just couldn't they were get bad. downfield. You know, so I, that's why I want to watch him again this year and see with Cooper there, right. does that change a little that, bit. That does not – indict right. him or sure. anything like I mean that situation comes into play for a lot of it but it's just interesting when you look at those numbers of what like Teddy Bridgewater's baseline is with such good numbers even though his TDs and things weren't as outrageous and from a fantasy perspective like I said the reason I love Derek Carr especially if you're going to go quarterback late and you're looking for a nice a really nice second quarterback to have on your team the reason I really like Derek Carr it's a volume play a lot of upside I, I mean yeah. it's just a straight I mean the, again they're going to throw the ball 75 times a game, folks. I, I mean, Derek Carr, yards per attempt, okay, I get it, you know, I get it. But if they're tossing that ball around that many times, and again, they have those weapons, Latavius Murray, Amari Cooper, uh, Michael Crabtree underneath, which is a good role for him. I, I do really like the upside of Derek Carr. Uh, Blake Bortles, uh, hit me, Marcus, with what, you, what did you see and what did you learn from uh, Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles is that classic, you know, tall pocket passing guy. And actually, you know, what's funny is I think of the three of these guys, he actually had the, had the most rushing yards. But part of that is because he was running for his life on plenty of occasions uh, behind that offensive yes. line there. The one thing that worried me about Bortles is that, and I know, look, the goal is for defense, you want to hit the quarterback, you want to get in his face, you want to rattle him. But it seems like if he got hit a couple of times, he really, things got out of whack. The mechanics got out of whack and everything just kind of just went to hell basically for Bortles. So that certainly concerns me. And the fact that his receivers, there's a lot of potential, there's a lot of upside potentially with that young group, but I think they're still a, a year or two away from really being developed. I mean, there's a whole lot of moving pieces going on in that Jacksonville offense that could be great could be a disaster, and I think we're still going to be a couple years away from knowing where they are, but Bortles, I mean, he's that big, tall, strong-armed guy you see in the pocket. I mean, he's your prototypical 80s-type quarterback, you yeah. know, that, 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 that thrived in that 80s, even the 90s era a little bit. Uh, I, I'm not sure what his, his long-term future is in this league, and I would say of the three sophomores, 
He's the one I'm I, I'm the least confident in uh, yeah. going forward right now. But like I said, it, things could come together in the next year or two and be really really good. But I think we're I think he's the furthest away from being a legit fantasy contributor. I, I do like that Allen Robinson though. Oh, he's great. Mm-hmm. I do like him uh, coming back from the injury and. Uh, he could be an 80-catch, 1,000-yard guy. He's been looking really good mm. in, in preseason and yep. hearing a lot of good things out of camp with him. Um, and they had a rapport going last year before the injury, so mm. that could be one to watch. I think the thing with Jacksonville, obviously they had Julius Thomas, which is going to be a great sa- a great safety blanket for Blake Bortles. But, uh, again, I look at that wide receiving core, Marquise Lee, Allen Robinson, as you mentioned, uh, Allen Hearns, I guess, maybe. But uh, you look at that wide receiving core, I see a lot of number twos. I don't see a number one. In that group, even Allen Robinson. I mean, you mentioned a thousand. He's he's a good number two, I think, but he doesn't have a number one. And when your top target, I think, in my opinion, is Julius Thomas, a tight end, it makes life awfully difficult, man. It makes life awfully difficult. I don't difficult. think that'll be his top target. I think Robinson will be his top target. I think you might be right, but again, in terms of, I'm just talking about overall talent level. Uh, I think Julius Thomas is probably his most talented. JT's got to stay on the field. He's got to stay healthy, and he also yep. doesn't have yep. the luxury of Peyton Manning's offense running the ball downfield, throwing the ball downfield, getting him into the red zone. He's going to be a disappointment for anybody who thinks that he's going to be the same guy he was in the Mile High City. That's why I worry about him from a fantasy perspective. I mean, in terms of just on the field and and how he gets targeted, I mean, I I said it a lot last year, tight ends and young quarterbacks go together like chicken and waffles. I I think, you know, in that respect, respect, I I do think Thomas is going to see a lot of passes coming his way, but whether or not that turns into production, I think is a different story. Could be a lot of nine-yard outs. Yeah, a lot of one-yard ins, nine-yard outs. Thank you, Elliot Harrison. (laughs) Right. I do agree with that quite a bit. Hey, you know what? This is a great transition to talk about late-round quarterbacks to target, and Michael Fabiano, I believe you have done the research. You crushed the numbers, man. Hit I us did. with some late-round quarterbacks. Having a little fun. Um, what was it? A couple of weeks ago, uh, Alex, we did the uh, the targets that were lost per team. At some point, maybe in the next uh, week or two, I'll probably do another column about the teams that gained the most targets and maybe see if there's a whole bunch of guys there, too many mouths to feed in some offenses. That could hurt some players, but Went back and looked at the players who aren't elite. So, not Peyton Manning, not Drew Brees, not right. uh, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck and Russell Wilson. But the guys who are going to fall into the category of they'll be available in the late rounds. Yep. Uh, in the middle to the late rounds, which is when I like to pick my quarterbacks. And I went back and I took off the, the, the rushing uh, part of it because most quarterbacks are not going to be able to help you significantly as, as a runner. And looked at how many fantasy points these guys averaged per completion. Per completion. I want to see how how they score and how often when they throw the football, it's helping to produce numbers for your fantasy Fantasy points per completion. So I looked at the players with a minimum of 250 completions okay. last season. And uh, Tony Romo averaged almost... Point nine points per completion. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. He was uh, he was number one in terms of the non-elite quarterbacks, and he didn't throw the football a ton last year. He only had 304 completions. Okay. Keep in mind, DeMarco Murray ran the ball one quadrillion times. times. Right. So Romo will throw it more this year, at least you would think, and uh, he could be a very good value somewhere around the 10th round. I think the same thing goes for Ben Roethlisberger. He averaged right around .74 points per completion now the one caveat there is that he had those two big games six touchdowns each so maybe the numbers are skewed there right but people aren't drafting him early he was 
better than Drew Brees from a fantasy perspective last year. I don't buy that he's going to be another top five quarterback, but top 10. I mean, I could certainly see that. And he's going to be on the board late. He's got to be a lot to be a top 10. I mean, you look at the, the weapons that he's got weapons around Weapons are ridiculous. It's crazy. Ridiculous. And Martavis Wait. Bryant is a guy I love. We, love think, we think Big Ben's going to be around that late. I think people are going to jump on him yeah. better than these, see, these other guys. I I mean, I have Romo ranked higher than Roethlisberger. Um, really? Roethlisberger had... To, I know he had he his was two so six touchdown games, but so inconsistent. That was my problem with him, is that there were some games where he absolutely helped you destroy your opponent, and then there's other weeks <laughs> he where he killed didn't you. do diddly poo. He, he killed you. Another guy who typically wouldn't be in this conversation, and maybe he is not going to be after June twenty third. We'll see. Okay, is Tom Brady. But right now, you're looking at a guy who's going to be drafted somewhere after the eighth, ninth round, maybe in the tenth round. Uh, he averaged uh, just one tenth of a point less. Then Roethlisberger, he was at a .74, and he's Tom Brady. And, yep. I, and I, I know this is a, saw, a sore spot for you, James Coe. Uh. But, um, <laughs> I know uh, where this is going. After Brady's first four weeks, he, yeah! was he was averaging over 20 fantasy points a game. One other quarterback that I think people have forgotten about, and I think you, you need to keep him on your late-round radar. We're talking late rounds, like okay. last three or four rounds, is Carson Palmer. Yes. Palmer Love it. was awesome before he got hurt last year. He was awesome. He was averaging... 0.72 fantasy points per completion. And Palmer, yes, is past his prime. Yep. He's got a lot of good weapons there. They love John Brown. They added David Johnson. And another little nugget that I thought was interesting was that Drew Stanton, who is clearly not an elite quarterback, he's not Carson Palmer, right. he averaged 0.67 fantasy points per completion, which means that it's part Palmer, but it's part that offense, too. Mm. Stanton's going to do that. Stanton had more fantasy points per completion on average than Drew Brees. Wow. He was at .64, but Brees threw the ball like a zillion times. Right. So Palmer is someone, if you look late and you're looking at a number two quarterback, he is a guy that you can get. People are not going to be going after well, what him. Was, what was the stat we heard? I, was that, just uh, you know, I think the, the Cardinals last year in these six games they played with Carson Palmer scored as many points as they did in the ten games without him. Yes, Whoa. that is exactly the stat. <laughs> yes. So that offense was humming when he was in there, and yep. if he's there for the full 16 games, yeah. he could. So, or and or I know, even like 14 games. He I could know have he's him. coming off an ACL, and he's an older guy, yep. but you know, Akbar always says the ACL is the new sprained ankle. <laughs> so... <laughs> Palmer's a guy I that, would disagree, but yeah, Palmer's a guy that you can get late, and and people are not going to be going after him. Bruce Arians' offense is very fantasy friendly, guys. Let's put it that way. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. I um, like it. What about what about Teddy Two Gloves? As we talked about him in the sophomore area before, if you're grabbing a grabbing a second quarterback, if it's super late, I kind of like snagging him too, especially if you. He wanna, didn't have he didn't have that high not as high, but, but he was also low, as he said. was also in his first season. He'll first be season. back, and he's got Peterson behind him. Now. He's got he's got. Peterson so you're gonna in, you're gonna see an increase. A couple of other stats, real quick, on okay. this that were interesting. All right. Aaron Rodgers averaged almost a full point per completion. That's amazing. That's just outrageous. Point nine two. That is ridiculous. That is just stupid. Unreal. I mean, he he threw the ball three hundred plus times. He was in, he wasn't even in the top fifteen in completions. Jeez. I believe he was sixteenth. Um, another one uh, I mentioned. Breeze uh, averaged under the league average, and the league average is something that I compiled through looking at every quarterback in the league that started at least six games last year. Okay. Uh, Neither Nick Foles nor Mark Sanchez were at the league average. Uh, both were under, and everyone loves Chip Kelly's offense. What does that mean for Sam Bradford? I guess we'll see. Robert Griffin III, he was terrible. He was not good. Uh, he gives you the extra value with his legs as a runner, and he's going to need to run for does you. Does he, though? Because last year, <laughs> I mean, does he, he averaged 0.43 fantasy points per completion. <laughs> Ouch. 
Kirk Cousins was at .68. And another little fun nugget here for you Jets fans, Ryan Fitzpatrick averaged .76 fantasy points per completion. He didn't meet our requirement for 250 right. completions, mm-hmm. but he was good when he threw the football, and he also gives you the ability to run with it a little bit. I'm not saying Ryan Fitzpatrick is your savior, but if you're in a 2QB league or you stream quarterbacks, all of a sudden uh, Fitzmagic, he could help you, assuming that Geno Smith flounders and gives up the starting job at some point, uh, which uh, I think most of us believe will happen. Now, you know, it's funny because as, as you're going through this, one of the things that just hit me, and I, I decided to kind of take a look as you were talking, is for a lot of these quarterbacks, one the one common denominator for a lot of them that they have guys who are good after the catch as well. Like you mentioned Ben Roethlisberger, and I looked, and last year when you look at yards after the catch, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown were top six in the NFL in yards after the catch. Yeah. I mean, you had the – Rodgers, Between uh, yeah, Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, both in the top ten. I mean, Gronk just outside the top ten. I mean, you got Julian Edelman and even Shane Vereen were guys who were in the top 25 in yards after the catch. So, I mean, obviously – you talk about guys like Brady and Roethlisberger and Romo. They are good quarterbacks in sure. and of themselves, but it certainly doesn't hurt that they have guys who know what to do with the football right. once they get it in their hands. Well, I think a lot of that, I mean, it, it all goes hand in hand, right? Because they're because they're such good quarterbacks, they get the ball on time in a position true. for these guys to make plays after the catch. Very true. All right. Uh, very quickly, I want you guys to just talk to me. I, I know uh, Marcus and Alex, you guys have been doing a ton of mock drafts. And again, you could go to the website, nfl.com slash fantasy or nfl.com slash draft kit to do these mock drafts. Give me one lesson you guys are seeing, one trend, surprising trend you're seeing in the mock drafts. Mar- Marcus, we'll start with you. Uh, running backs are going later. Uh, you know, I mean, I think I think it's that, and we've talked about this before, you've got those first maybe six guys that, that everybody kind of knows are going to come off the board, and then after that, it's kind of a grab bag. So I think at that point, you know, you get to seven and later, you're seeing who knows what. It could be quarterbacks. You know, it could be Rodgers or Luck. It could be Antonio Brown. It could be Des Bryant. After the first six guys, man, it's a free-for-all out there. Right. I was actually – that was exactly what I was going to make because I was lucky enough to get two running backs. I picked eight in the mock draft this morning. Picks nine, 10, 11, and 12, all wide receivers. Cool. But when I was looking back to get my third running back in round five, I was staring at Melvin Gordon, uh, Carlos Hyde, Latavius Murray. Love them all. I think Jonathan Stewart just went ahead or he was still there when I was picking. So there were a lot of guys that I liked there and a lot of guys that I was more wishy-washy on. But still, like if I'm getting the third running back, there's good depth there. Or if you're going to you know, jump off the cliff and do zero running back, That's right. you can get guys that could turn into number one options That's there. what I'm talking about, baby. It's going to be question marks. That is what I'm talking about, Alex Gellhart. <laughs> that is what I'm talking about. James Coe has been validated. <laughs> like his, his whole world just got better today. I threw a wrench in his place before. Throwing him a life, life raft. <laughs> All right. The sound effects. Oh, we need some urge. Star Wars We stuff. do. We do need a little we'll Star Wars. We'll, we'll get that going. Imagine this podcast. Like the week before December twenty eighth. Oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> there will be no fantasy talk on it. It will just no, be I know. all Star Wars. And, every, I and we all have to talk like Yoda. Uh, that that is the advice I will give you. Well, okay. I'll pass. Pass. Well, go backwards. They will. Uh, we pass. may have. I may have to get Baby Co a babysitter on that one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I may have to. Team team outing, perhaps. You know, no. Here's the thing. People ask me, oh, hey, you know, how's it having a kid? First of all, it's amazing having a kid. Okay, amazing. Baby Co's eighteen months old, and and she's gorgeous, and I love her to death. But there are things that suck. There are things that suck. Poops. But poops. Okay. Poop, but you get the poops. But you know what? Poops. <laughs> poops is just one of those words that just makes you laugh. But here's what. But poops. here's what. But here's what you don't realize as a young parent. Okay. Like, 
I'm in my mid thirties. I just figured out what I like to do. Okay, and now, now you, you can't, can't do, do it. Anymore. And now I can't do any of them. <laughs> I like to go out and have a couple of adult beverages. I can't do that anymore. I can't even do that at my house, man. I like to go late night. I like to watch movies. Can't do that. Oh, hey, it's midnight and you want to watch, I don't know, something on HBO. No, can't do that. You got to go sleep. You know why? Because <laughs> your baby's going to wake up at 6 in the morning and you got to get up, man. That's what I'm talking about. So, uh, Baby Co., again, love her to death. I hope my wife's not listening. <laughs> She's amazing, but but Uh-oh. it absolutely kills any movie watching you want to get done. Absolutely kills it. Well, well I hear that. I, I just get a feeling that you can't watch movies straight through. Like you have to kind of watch movies in shifts. That's like, terrible. So, uh, you know, here's that's the, a terrible way to watch movies. Here's, here's I hate what doing my, that. Here's what my parents' workaround was when my uh, youngest sister was a baby or a toddler. Is we had it. Well, this is back when you had the Catherine Ray TVs, the huge ones. Yeah, yeah. We had the box from the TV, and my sister loved to play in it. So we would put her in the box, and she would color and stuff <laughs> on the walls, and we would watch rated R movies. Everybody, <laughs> so everybody wins. Baby Co. in a box, and let her go to town. Some coloring crayons, some toys, and you're good to go. She now, can see the movie. You know, you what? guys can watch it in peace. No. She's right there. I, I I hear that, but she's obsessed with. If the television, first of all, these are the words she knows. Okay, she knows Dada, Mama. She knows food, and she knows television. Those are the words she knows. Did she pronounce it that cleanly, too? No, no, no. no. I, yeah, it's not, not at all. But she knows television. And any time the television is on, she dominates it. Ah. She will cry if Sesame Street is not on. All right. Well, the rated R box goes out the window. Right. You know what? We the should mu- probably. The, the Muppet Show's coming back. <laughs> they are. They're making a new Muppet watch. TV yeah, show. Yeah, I, I had, I'm going to watch that. I, oh. That's nostalgia for oh, me. Boy. Oh, boy. We should boy. probably wrap this up. Yeah, yeah, is that before your time, Gilhar? Oh, Get no. us out of here. All right, listen. I'm James Coe. Marcus just Brandt, a Alex Gilhar, 18 years old and doing a podcast. It's great the for boy him. wonder. <laughs> and Michael Fabiano. Sully behind the glass. Thank you. You've been listening to the NFL Fantasy Live Podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And... Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.